You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It's Wednesday, June 28th. Today I want to go over and look back a little bit on this week's Supreme Court decisions. Monday was the grand finale of this year's term. They're out until next season, till October. The next season, next episode of Judicial Autocracy, when we submit our unalienable rights to the courts, when they are the sole and final arbiter of our rights. When up is down and down is up, what's holy is profane, what's profane is holy. What's an unalienable right and natural law is antithetical to natural law. What is natural law is repudiated. What's a federal power is given to the states. What's a state power is given to the feds. The courts cannot be more backwards than possible. Yet conservatives think that Monday was a great victory for us. And and look, you know, in very relative terms, there were some, I guess you'd say things that are, that are better they happened than they didn't happen. But that brings me to my broader point that applies both to healthcare and the courts and really to everything. It's a theme that we've developed throughout the last five months or so. The soft bigotry of low expectations, the only thing worse than the Democrats being so radical and the Republicans doing nothing to change course, is for conservatives to be happy with it. Conservatives to be totally fine with it. That we've dumbed down our expectations to such a point where as long as we're not the Democrats, we just don't care. And this was, you know, a thesis we developed last uh, podcast, the one we put out on Monday, episode 124. This is episode 125 for, for reference there. We gave an analogy of someone being happy with their wife cheating on them and just saying, well, at least she didn't, you know, fool around with a guy that has HIV. You could always look on the bright side. You could always say, at least it's not this. Everything's relative. Then again, that is exactly what moral relativism is that our movement was supposed to eschew. Our movement was supposed to reject. Our movement was supposed to believe in fixed, self-evident truths and natural law and nature's God as the source of those truths, the source of unalienable rights, the source of a just government of what government can do, what government cannot do, what government must do, what government is – it is elect, an elective part of government that's subject to you know, the people's um, representation. This is what we're going to celebrate next week on the other side of my vacation on July 4th. And yet we have the courts destroying it in the most spectacular fashion. And our people don't care. Like, well, at least we won some victories. They are turning religious liberty on its head. But look, Daniel, we won a religious liberty case, didn't we? We're going to get to all this. We're going to explain. You know, I want to come out after this episode with you guys understanding just how low the expectations are that our people don't understand the judicial firestorm that's ahead of us. And the need, but and, and I would say on a positive note, also the opportunity to change course. 
there is one piece of good news for Monday that actually gives us, an, you know, the best opportunity to strip the lower courts of power, at least the lower courts, if not the Supreme Court. Um, you know, this has been my pet peeve for two years. Obviously, the subject of my book, Stolen Sovereignty. And by the way, while you're getting Mark Levin's Rediscovering Americanism, which discusses a lot of these self-evident truths on inalienable rights, um, the foundation of our government, also make sure to pick up a copy of Stolen Sovereignty as well. So anyway, Monday was the grand finale. And I want to try to break down what went on also looking through the prism of some of the trends broadly from this term in the Supreme Court, from the lower courts, what's ahead in October, and why we will not have a society left, why the 201 words of the preamble of the Declaration will be completely meaningless and voided out, the, the, the little part of it that's remaining, unless we wake up about the courts. You know... Let me let me start off by saying that an analogy I've long used for the courts, and yes, I know I'm into my sports analogies, but I guess they're better than adultery analogies, is that the judicial left has a perpetual first and goal at our one yard line with as many tries as they as they need or want. So we're always operating on their terms. They're always on our turf. We're always playing defense. So you know, again, let's say someone has 100 shots at getting the ball in the end zone. And the first shot, they, um, they, they, you block the pass. Like, victory, we won! Well, not really. I mean, it's a defensive fleeting victory that, you know, ultimately in the long run, they're going to get it in. And, and that, that's, that, that's what's going on. The, the contours... And the subject matter of the cases before the courts these days are so radical, so divorced from anything that should be in the courts, anything they should have power over, anything we should even be debating about as a society. We should get these things for free. So let's say 10 of them get into the court. Let me exaggerate to prove a point. On a given day, given week, a given term in the Supreme Court, lower courts, you'll have cases like this. One is, should we rape all Republican women? Another one is, should we strip the guns away from everyone? Another one is, should we force two members of each family to get a sex change operation? One is, should we have 50 days of early voting, but only Democrats get to vote early? You see what I'm saying? So in any social transformation, it's not going to be linear. It's not going to be direct. You're not going to win 100% of the time and win overnight. But inexorably, you're going to always move in that direction. So they might win three out of those five. But are the other two victories? Man, the courts didn't yet go there. We're not going to force two people to get a sex change operation. Maybe one. We're not going to yet say that Democrats have a right to 50 early days, days of early voting, but maybe maybe 30. Just to give you a, a sense before we delve into the specifics of what happened that is what's going on there. That is what's going on there. So a lot of people, let's start off with the Missouri case, the Trin Trinity Lutheran uh, <clears throat> case, where basically this is a very deep in the weeds, off the beaten path, unique case called the Blaine Amendment, 
where essentially, um, you know, and this is nothing new. This isn't craziness. This was something from from the past, uh, is from the 1800s, where you know they wanted to go after the Catholic Church and um, basically say that states cannot fund, they can't give funding to religious institutions. And seven to two, the court ruled against it. Even Elena Kagan and Breyer, um, you know, it, it, it was a no-brainer. Now you're saying, oh man, Daniel, this is an amazing victory for religious liberty in the courts. We've solved the problem. No, no problems of religious liberty. And you see all the press releases. And look, don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing if you're a member of Congress, if you have an organization, you want a message to the media. It's a, it's a messaging war. You want to take the victory. I'm not you know, complaining. The problem is they actually believe it. They actually believe they want a victory. This case has no bearings on the fundamental problem of our time. The problem is not whether, oh, government's going to give us, we don't want any funding. Leave me alone. I don't need government's funding. I want to be, I don't want to be thrown in jail. The coercion is the main problem. The main problem is basically, to sum it up, is the sexual identity and homosexual agenda movement. Bake the damn cake or else. That to force private institutions to change who they are, to force private businesses, private property owners, with their own private property, with their own private conscience, to violate their conscience, which... Madison said is the most sacred of all property rights. So you're dealing with the intersection of property and conscience. That, folks, is the Declaration of Independence. That's what Sam Adams said we are fighting the revolution for. That is natural law endowed by nature as God. That is everything. And yet, the blue states are forcing individuals to do it. And in the red states where we try to protect people from it, the, the lower courts are striking it down. Although we did win one victory in the Fifth Circuit recently, one of the better circuits, but that was the only circuit we ever got. So it, the Blaine Amendment, it, it, again, it's a shiny object. It, it's unique. None of the other cases that have more bearings on who we are are going are, are, are to make a difference for that. And we are going to lose every one of those cases unless we do judicial reform. And as I suggest in my book, Congress does their job and passes civil rights style legislation preventing states from uh, from violating conscience and property rights. Right? That that is that is where we are. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because on the same day, there was a really, really bad news. I mean, I mean really bad news. And this is kind of a growing trend we're seeing with everything. There's good and bad, and like everyone focuses on the good. Well, well, Daniel, you always focus on the bad. Well, because the bad is really what's enduring. It is so much more consequential. It's so much more revealing and illuminating as to what is going to happen in the future and where the trajectory is headed um, on on 90% of the important cases. Every other case is not going to be a Blaine Amendment case. Um, So, you know, this is just very, very... Uh, very, very unique. Very, very unique. So anyway, what was the other case? And I'm sure many of you haven't heard of it. Same day, on Monday, the Supreme Court came out with a case, Pavin v. Smith, overturning Arkansas law since its founding, overturning the Arkansas Supreme Court, upholding that, literally redefining biology. 
redefining biology. What do I mean by that? So as we know, two years ago, we had Obergefell, which is the most radical case ever, redefining the building block of all human civilization marriage. Um, reinventing it in the Constitution, what's in the Constitution when it says gun rights? Nope, not in there. Property rights? Nope, not in there. Oh, and, and by the way, on the same day, by the way, the courts uh, screwed us on property rights too. Another Anthony Kennedy problem. It was a case in Wisconsin. I don't have time to get into it, but I mean, it, it was pretty bad. But in, in Arkansas, basically, they're forcing the state to issue birth certificates to lesbian couples that get a kid through artificial insemination. But here's the catch. It's to give them birth certificates pursuant to the biological process. So basically, the state of Arkansas has a separate process for, you know, just let's say a normal husband and wife can't conceive that they have problems. Um, they go for art artificial insemination. Uh, so, you know, they, they get they get issued a regular birth certificate and, and the husband, even though the father is not biologically the father, they, they, they do put his name on the birth certificate. It's just a different process. It's governed by a different statutory process. So, God forbid, should the states ever adhere to natural law endowed by nature's God and state law as passed and ratified by the people and still hasn't been overturned because a federal court cannot overturn state marriage laws. But no, they, they weren't they weren't trying to run up against Obergefell. They were issuing um birth certificates to you know so-called same-sex couples. They they were they, they were doing that. And by the way, it just reminds me, you want to talk about of no fault of their you know, they talk about illegal aliens and their children that are brought here of no fault of their own. Well, what about the children that, that are stuck into that family situation of no fault of their own? You know, there's one thing to say, all right, get married if you want. I'll give you a certificate. But when you're, you're dealing with adoption or artificial insemination, really? That, that we view it as totally equal. There's no difference between having a, a, mother, a mother and a father. No, no difference whatsoever. Shove a child into that without a choice. But that's the point. They're trying to say that a so-called gay marriage is so the same as a real marriage that even biology changes. So they were telling Arkansas, you must issue birth certificates pursuant to the biological statutes, the biological process. Well, what do you mean? Who's the father and who's the mother? Okay, so you tell me the one that had the artificial insemination is the mother. Who's the father? Who's the dude? The more manly looking one? I mean, there's no sperm there. They didn't give birth. Like, what do you want from me? Like, okay, okay. And 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 this is the point that Gorsuch made in his um, in his dissent. And by the way, Gorsuch has been doing good. I'm very I'm very happy. But the problem is, we only have three votes: him, Alito, and and Thomas. Roberts joined with this most radical thing. So it's not only are you at, um affirming Obergefell, but this wasn't Obergefell. You could you could agree to Obergefell, and just say okay. We recognize your marriage, but it's not as if you biologically conceived because you didn't. I mean, what, are, are we going to start suing God for violating Obergefell by not allowing same-sex couples to uh, procreate? They, I mean, you want to talk about natural law and nature's God that we celebrate is the source of an unalienable rights. They are literally, they, they are telling states, you cannot define biology. You must redefine biology.
What's the broader lesson here? The broader lesson here is that when it comes to the homosexual agenda, because the political outcome involved, the jurisprudence doesn't matter. They will do anything they can to get the result, even if it defies biology, which is why I guarantee you this leads me to the next case. A lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, the Supreme Court. So another thing on Monday is they agreed to take up the um, Masterpiece Cakes case out of Colorado. And that was a case where, you know, a blue state or bluish state, they forced, um, a ba- you know, literally a bake the, bake the darn cake dynamic, forcing a Christian business owner to bake a cake for a same-sex uh, ceremony. And, you know, there the lower courts all up, upheld the state's uh, decision. So, you know, all things equal, we lost. So the fact that the Supreme Court took it up, it's like, I understand why people are celebrating because until now it was 0% chance of success. Now, now you have an appeal. But the reality is I will eat my hat if we don't lose this at least 5-4 to four or 6-3. to three. Kennedy, we know where he stands on this. And even Roberts, he is so swayed by the so-called public opinion on the homosexual agenda. There is no way he will not coerce an individual say, Oh, that's discrimination. That's like discriminating against blacks. You you have to, you can't do it. There is no way, or at least a split the baby type of uh, opinion. But that's from Roberts. Uh, you know, Kennedy will give us the full shebang. And the other big news is Kennedy is not retiring. And I told you guys that. Everyone was like, Daniel, we, we're going to get another Supreme Court appointment. Maybe we'll get it before the end of the four years. But I, I, I told you, he's not going to retire on Trump's watch. He wants a leftist. But the bigger story is that they are promoting the de-civilization agenda. Literally de-civilization. Lineage. Biology. De-civilization. It is the most antithetical thing you could ever imagine. The biggest anathema to our most foundational of founding values. And that's where six to three majority is on the Supreme Court. And they're better than the lower courts. And and Roberts is worse than ever. Loads of bad decisions. I'm not going to have time. So that's why this was a bad day. The fact that they took up masterpiece cakes, uh, really? What they did in the in the in the Paven v. Smith case. So that's what I'm telling you. These are more of the prevalent cases. The Blaine Amendment case with Trinity Lutheran is just. It's not. It, it, it's it's isolated. It was a one time thing. So that that's what that. Now, I want to make a juxtaposition. At the same time that the court said that states are nothing, you cannot define marriage. You cannot define human sexuality. You cannot define biology and birth certificates and lineage. You have to have 30 days of early voting. You can't draw your own state or federal districts. You can't, states can't do anything. You can't enforce federal immigration law, Right? The one thing the states do that violate, on it, again, along with religious liberty, the most foundational of inalienable rights, and that is the right to self-defense, the right to carry a firearm. Suddenly then the Supreme Court is like, no, that's okay. This juxtaposition, and I have an article on this I'll link to in the show notes. The juxtaposition is amazingly powerful, and if you understand the profundity of it, and you understand the details of Roberts on both sides of it, 
and the details of of how the lower courts are so bad and when and when and when the Supreme Court gets involved and when they do not, you will fully understand my thesis of why the courts are irremediably broken. We will never fix them by supposedly appointing better judges, and we must strip them of jurisdiction. So let's unpack this from the beginning. Ever since the Heller decision, when evidently it took the Supreme Court to tell us, you know, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed, kind of means like shall not be infringed. Um, that was nine years ago. We still cannot carry in blue states. So just as a baseline, this is very instructive in the dichotomy between the few rare victories we get when the Supreme Court actually upholds a real right against the legislation of a blue state versus when the Supreme Court creates a BS right against the federal government or red state, you know, something that they do that is lawful and deeply rooted in our history and tradition. When Obergefell passed, passed, boom, done. Marriage is redefined for forever for all of civilization. All 50 states capitulated immediately. There were no barriers. We didn't try to brush up against the borderline and say, well, maybe here we'll do it and here we won't. Make them come back for another bite at the, at the apple. Make them come back for another lawsuit. Nothing. Nothing. But when we had Heller, you would think, and, and they said very clear, to bear arms means to carry it on your person, not just in your home. You would think it would be very simple that, you know, within certain reasonable regulations, you could always own whatever you want or carry whatever you want in most circumstances. No, every blue state has since then enacted or kept, maintained, complete ban on carry a complete ban on so-called assault weapons, and then magazine capacity uh, limitations. You know, most states are limiting the ability of uh, gun owners to purchase more than uh, a a magazine that holds more than 10 rounds. Every single circuit court has upheld those laws so far. They've overturned Heller. Some of them are even citing from the dissent in Heller instead of the majority opinion. So when the Supreme Court doesn't bring it up, that is making a statement. You can't always read too much into them not granting cert because, you know, they have a limit, limited caseload, a limited number of cases they could take. They can't take, you know, two, three thousand cases. But th- this is clearly what this is what Clarence Thomas said when he dissented from the denial of cert. Now, only Gorsuch joined, joined his dissent from the denial of cert. I am giving Alito the benefit of the doubt that it's just a quirk in when he decides to write, you know, because they, they don't always write a, deni- a dissent from the denial of cert, like a dissent on an opinion. Um, and I think he has dissented in the past from denial of cert in some other gun cases. I know of one in the back of my mind. But certainly for sure, Roberts and Kennedy, because if Roberts were with us, we'd have four votes. It takes four to take up a case. So think, of it, think about it this way. States are, could totally undermine the Second Amendment, overturn Heller. Lower courts could overturn Heller, and they're quiet. But the minute they perceived in Arkansas, erroneously, but perceived that Arkansas was messing with Obergefell, God forbid, trying to continue to define marriage as marriage, boom, they jumped in like a bunch of dogs. And Roberts and Kennedy and certainly the other four clowns pounced on them. This is why the courts are a one-way street and a dead end for conservatives. We will never win that game. And this is why 
before I move on to immigration and some other stuff in the courts, this is why I believe Congress needs to move quickly on a de facto national right to carry bill and a bill protecting religious liberty even from the states and from the courts, meaning from both, from blue states and from courts, that individuals with their private property have the right to conscience, period. You know, I don't want to hear the state's rights garbage. People don't realize the Constitution has three relationships. There's the individual, there's the state, and the federal government. Each one has its proper role where it has its, uh, with uh, you know, individuals have rights, state and federal government have respective powers, and states do not have the power to go after unalienable rights. There's a lot of things they can do, even that, that are kind of tyrannical. But if it doesn't undermine a fundamental right, you know, the federal government can't step in. But this is why we created a federal union. This is exactly where the federal government is to step in. You know, I quote him a lot in my book, Judge Timothy Farrar. Um, he wrote the, well, he wrote the first constitutional commentary, treatise, post uh, the adoption of um, the 14th Amendment. He wrote it in 1868, fresh after the ratification of the 14th Amendment. Fresh after the ratification. So he is the definitive authority on, on, on the, you know, what the 14th Amendment was doing. And by the way, in my book, I have a lot of interesting things about the 14th Amendment and what it really was and, and what Farrar said. Farrar was a, a law partner of Daniel Webster. Um, you know, a couple decades after the big commentaries like Joseph Story, Kent, and Rawls, but very authoritative on the 14th Amendment. And he made it very clear that, you know, you cannot, the federal government, this is one thing the federal government cannot do, is infringe upon the rights, the foundational foundational rights of the citizenry, right? That, that, that is one thing they cannot do. So I don't want to hear anyone telling me, well, Daniel, you know, you have to deal with that in the state legislature. No, no, no. This is the one exception to that rule. Actually, two exceptions when it comes to self-defense and it comes to religious liberty. So I'm just trying to find here the quote from Judge Farrar. Um, again, it's Manual of the Constitution of the United States of America. It was actually published in 1867. Literally, you know, as, as they were ratifying the 14th Amendment, um, he wrote that states are recognized as governments and when their own constitutions permit may do so as ple- do as they please, provided that they do not interfere with the constitution laws of the United States or with the civil or natural rights of the people recognized thereby and held, held in conformity to, to them. The right of every person to life, liberty and property to keep and bear arms to the writ of habeas corpus to trial by jury, yada, yada. Um, cannot be infringed by individuals or even by the government itself. So this is exactly where the federal government should step in. Instead, they're going to do nothing, and we're going to wait for Kennedy and Roberts to save us next year on guns and on religious liberty, and it will not happen. We're going to get crushed. Instead, they're going to codify as the law of the land the opposite there, there's a lot more that has been done this past session, 
Roberts, if you remember, I spoke about this before. Roberts also signed on to Miami v. Bank of America opinion, where the courts essentially said that every blue city could blame its social woes on the banks. Blame it on them. It's, it's be- and because they lent to too many minorities. An unbelievably radical case. John Roberts is the new Anthony Kennedy. And this is why even if and when Kennedy does retire, still at best, assuming that the replacement is, is a good guy, we'll have four on most critical cases because Roberts is going to move even more to the left then because he doesn't want to shift the balance. And again, even, even with the four good guys, you know, or three at this point, you know, Alito is not that great. I mean, like you're seeing some of this stuff and, and, you know, a lot of them, they have their quirks and their sticklers for certain technicalities. Again, the, the ability of a good judge to do good politically for us is not commensurate to the ability of a bad judge to do bad because, you know, our guys are intellectually honest and they're not just going to look at the political outcome as best for conservatives, which is fine. But don't make the courts the final arbiter and then empower the other majority of liberal justices. Which brings me to the final case, and that's immigration. So, Daniel, didn't didn't they allow Trump's immigration order or most of it to go in go through and and, uh, put a stay on the injunction from all those lower courts. Isn't that great news? Look, I don't blame Trump for spiking the football. I would do it too. And it's a great messaging victory. And it's actually something we should, we should use to strip the lower courts of their power. I mean, here you have nine to nothing in the most polarized Supreme court, liberal Supreme court saying that all of these lower courts, and there's a lot of them, tons of them, every single one unanimously, uh, tons of district judges, and, and uh, two circuits saying that it's all unconstitutional. And they said, no, I mean, we're, we're actually going to hear the appeal and we're going to put a stay on most of your injunction unless there's a um, credible relationship between the plaintiff overseas and, and someone living in America. Now, and that's good. And that's why we should use this as an opportunity. I, I really think we could kick the lower courts when they're down. See, they have no business ruling over immigration. But let me tell you something. This is where the soft bigotry of low expectations comes in. Really? So now the president, he is allowed, the political branches are allowed to control some of immigration. If you notice, there was a dissent in this case. Thomas wrote a dissent. Now, let me build this up a little bit. This is pretty extraordinary because it wasn't an opinion. It was just a preliminary stay pending, you know, the oral arguments and the outcome of the, of the decision on the merits. And, you know, on the surface, didn't they allow most of it to go through? So what, you know, Thomas was dissenting and saying, I want all of it to go through, like the remaining few, uh, you know, just straws. Well, why is he making such a big deal about it? And by the way, Gorsuch and Alito signed on to it. Roberts did not. Roberts was with, with the other five. Why, but but again, why didn't Thomas concur? It's more like a concurrence. But no, if you read it carefully, he wrote it as a dissent. Because while messaging-wise, this looks like they're mainly siding with the administration, fundamentally, they're saying the courts control immigration. And you read the thing, well, if it's a relative, if it, it's a student, if it's if it's, the state has a claim, then 
we're not we're, we're keeping the injunction in place well the president could set the cap for refugees like this but if it's a refugee that has some relationship you have to let the refugee in what the statute says the president sets the refugee cap i, I mean well daniel we should be at least be happy we got crumbs well again i mean relative to the lower courts okay but this is how they win. This is the ratchet, the one directional ratchet we're talking about. We started the year with 200 years of case law and sovereignty and the preamble of the Declaration of Independence, governance by the consent of the governed, that only the political branches, as empowered by the people, could decide who comes into this country. The courts have no say whatsoever. Lower courts come overnight and say, no, political branches have no say. The courts have 100% say. And the Supreme Court comes in and says, well, you have about 30-40% say and we have the rest. I mean, is that a victory? That's insane. And they're just going to start from the next tranche and keep moving. They're just going to chip away further. This is going to be the new baseline. And again, I'm sure once you have the final decision, it's not going to be so clear. It's going to be a split the baby. You know, the four real hardcore liberals are really going to want to chip away at what Trump did. Um, Roberts and Kennedy will do a split the baby. And, and and that was that was Thomas's point. Thomas is saying, no, I mean, like none of this should go through. This is insane. And and also he pointed out, guess what's gonna happen? The ACLU will just go back to the lower courts. And he hinted the same judges. He said the same judges, meaning the same uh repudiated judges, and, and they'll just chip away at while the Supreme Court's on vacation until October. This is how we lose our freedom. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm more down on what Roberts has done because I've been watching many other immigration cases, striking down citizenship laws, um, the ability to uh, denaturalize someone who lied on his uh, citizenship uh, application. This is a big decision that, that um, you know, Roberts and Kennedy signed on to the majority, making it much harder to denaturalize there. Striking down other statutes on how we determine citizenship when the parents aren't married and how many years the mother has to be living in America. I mean, stuff that has been on the books for, for hundreds of years. And then sanctuary cities, upholding sanctuary cities, um, blocking deportations left and right. And then all the other immigration cases that the court at punted to rehear next term with Gorsuch now able to hear it. Are we going to sit back and allow them to steal our sovereignty? Or are we going to take our own destiny in our own hands? But yet, our people are okay with this. What I fear is going to happen is this. By next year, the frog in the boiling water will be okay with even more infringements by the court. Anthony Kennedy, on June 28th, 2018, will issue the... Obergefell of religious liberty and say, bake the damn cake. We will have no religious liberty, no property rights, and our people will be fine with it by then. And then Kennedy will retire in a blazing ball of fire. By then it won't matter. The lower courts are already lost. John Roberts is so liberal that we're going to keep losing ground. The more you get on the court, the more you lose. Heck, Alito will probably start moving over too. But guess what's going to happen? The racket is going to persist next year that no matter how liberal Republicans get, Daniel, you have to vote for Republicans to make sure we maintain the Senate for the second half of Trump's term in the midterms because now we have to replace Anthony Kennedy. And that alone will quell any concern 
over the fact that we don't have an opposition party. The fact that we have a party that supports socialized medicine. And I'm going to get back to this next next week after my vacation, but what is going on with the courts that they refuse to strip them of their power, refuse to even discuss it, and refuse to even recognize the severity of what's going on. This entire 30-minute discussion we're having here is lost on these conservative legal eagles. And the Obamacare thing is lost on them. I'm amazed at how it's mind-boggling how the conservative movement is okay with stuff that would have scorched even an establishment Republican just 15 years ago. They couldn't fathom. We're, we're okay with it all now. You know, for now, at least we get to breathe a little easier. Trump care is not going to be voted on before July 4th. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, congrats, Daniel. You helped scuttle it or at least, you know, delay it for now. You, you know, but the sad thing is we blocked something that was bad, and I believe it, it was worse than doing nothing. It was an interception. But again, how do you get them to toss a to toss a touchdown? How do you put in the hearts and minds of people something that they just don't believe or understand or want to understand? I have a compromise I just put out there. I don't have time to get into it, but a true compromise, one that would actually move the ball forward, but no one's talking about. I have more posts on health care. Make CR your one-stop shop. Make CR TV with your promo code Horowitz your one-stop shop for TV. We're going to hell in a handbasket. That's why I want you guys to hedge against the economic collapse by investing in gold or at least just diversifying your portfolio. Go to birchgold.com forward slash CR. Get your information kit on how to invest in gold. And also, get your 99 get your 140 meals for just 99 bucks from patriot supply preparewithcr.com delicious meals to have in your house when we go to hell in a handbasket in this country and our supermarket shelves begin to look like our healthcare market anyway that is the story on the courts you will not hear from anyone else the courts are the issue of our time not to the point that we need to just appoint better judges but that we need to finally enact judicial reform and with the lower courts so repudiated what better time to start than now with the lower courts on immigration and preempt the stealing of our sovereignty if i don't hear from you until independence day happy independence day let's remember our values let's remember that we have fixed principles that are immutable that never change like calvin coolidge said on the 150th anniversary of the declaration that these are final They don't change. It's not relative to the times. It's not, well, it's at least better than the Democrats. At least the Democrats. At least we got this. At least um, we we weren't forced to get two sex change operations, only one. Let's fight affirmatively for what we know that is right and true and just. Happy 4th. Safe travels. We'll speak to you next week. God bless. May God restore our republic.